0: Once upon a time, there was a man, <clears throat> an important man, a bright man. In fact, uh, he went to, went to all the right schools and, and advanced quickly. Uh, this, this was a man that, that when, he, when he entered into his career then, was one of those fast track kind of guys. He he got in and and just rose to the top quickly. You know, one of those uh, who are who are educated and and have all the breaks going for him. And and as he rises in, in power within uh, that that company, he he's one of those those fast moving kind of guys. This this really important man is is going to all the important meetings and doing important things, and, and he's on his way to to one of these important meetings to do big things. When he's interrupted, he's interrupted. Every, everything everything just just stops, and and it was stopped by something more important. This man was known by the, by the name of Saul. And, and as he was educated and as he rose, he, w- he was doing great things and, and really advancing. And, and everything changed in a moment. So we're going to have a look at, at this man, Saul. We're starting a, a series Today in First Corinthians, we'll be spending—I don't know—a while looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And so, as we enter in, it's good for us to to start to come to terms with with who this is that's speaking, and to whom is he speaking? As we as we look at any letter, we're going to want to do that. We're going to want to see what's the situation, what's happening here, and so. Uh, we start by looking at this man, this really important man who is doing lots of important things. And suddenly everything changed. The whole course of his life changed. So, as we start, we're going to look today at, at 1 Corinthians. And we'll start just looking at, at the first three verses. So that we can get ourselves some, some background, get, uh, get accustomed to the surroundings and, and see where we're at here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we start our look at, at this book of 1 Corinthians, as we start looking at this letter, any sort of letter is, is going to need to be put into some context, right? If there, We get a lot of mail. And most of the mail is going to be advertisements and and mailing list kind of stuff and and these things that, that you know, we just I don't know who sent it, I don't know what they're trying to sell me. Okay. What do you do with that kind of stuff? What do you do with that? throw it in the trash I, I get something from somebody that's trying to sell me something again and yeah okay put it right where I put the last one or hey we need some fire starter that's great we'll go ahead and do that but sometimes really rarely these days I think sometimes you'll get a letter that's the, the uh, envelope is handwritten by someone you know everything changes. All of a sudden, I'm interested. All of a sudden, I want to know what this friend of mine, what this family member of mine is doing. What's going on? Knowing the the person that's writing to me changes everything. And so it is that that we want to, to introduce ourselves to what's happening here. This letter starts out the way many old letters, ancient letters would start out. Rather than Dear Corinthians, and then clear down at the end, Love, Paul. This is the way they start out. starts out from Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, to the church of God that is in Corinth, and then a greeting. That's the way they did it, and, and so it gives us a great place to jump in and see what's going on here. What is happening? Who is writing? Who is reading? And what does it mean for us? Because for us to just, you know, read somebody else's letter is all well and good. But if God has seen fit that it's here, then this letter might not be just for the Corinthians. So let's see what's going on. first we look at who's writing. Paul. This important young man, Saul, who, who comes from, from a very diverse background. Born a Roman citizen. The son of Roman citizens. He already, in that Roman context, is going to have some rights, some privileges going on. Paul was born a Roman citizen in the, the Greek Hellenistic culture in, in one of the, the big Greek cities of Tarsus in Asia Minor. This, this gives him uh, access to all kinds of different culture, all kinds of, of different uh, philosophies and things like that. But we also see that, that not only is, is Paul this mix of, of Roman and Greek, but he's also born to, to Orthodox Jewish parents. One, ones who who read the Torah they read the law and the prophets and they take it very seriously and they study it and they meditate on it and they pore over it and they make sure that their young Saul does the same thing I mean even in the naming of this child they they've taken a, a Hebrew word sort of sort of around the word to hear that that this child is going to be one who hears the word, who hears from God, and in that hearing obeys, one who's going to follow, that, that there was a lot that they were expecting of, of this young Saul. And Saul, the student that he was, did not disappoint. Probably very early on in his life, um, I don't know, maybe even by the age of 10. He's, he's taken to Jerusalem to study under Gamaliel. One of the, the brightest, one of the best teachers of that time. Come to, to study under him and to learn the law from him. To learn who God is and what God has done in the life of his people. And, and, and be able to debate with people. He, he was given the best of education. Sitting under Gamaliel... Saul would have heard uh, the Passover story in such rich presentation as as they sit and, and remember that we were slaves under Pharaoh, that God came and delivered us from Pharaoh, that, that He is the one who is in control of all things. And and as he studied and as he advanced and and grew in stature and in knowledge, Saul uh, became became very well zealous is the word that that Scripture uses that he was zealous he he was driven for what he knew what he read what he studied was right. Gamaliel was was one of the. The teachers who who took kind of kind of a broader view of some things sometimes. In Acts, they're they're looking at at this this uprising, this this cult religion that, that's happened around a man Jesus. And and the way they they aren't quite following, they're kind of speaking against what the Pharisees are doing. And and by this time, Saul has become. A a Pharisee and himself a teacher of the Pharisees. He is fast tracked in what he's doing. Now, Gamaliel, his teacher, uh, upon this, this discussion says, Let's just wait it out a little bit. Gamaliel says, There have been all kinds of uprisings. All kinds of people have come and said, I'm the Messiah. And people followed them for a little bit, and then it all fell apart all kinds of people that have have come and gathered some people around them and and launched a new thing and they all fell apart. Gamaliel says to the council there, if this thing is is not from God, it will all fall apart. But if it is from God, if these people following Jesus are actually telling the truth, there's nothing we can do to stop it. Let's let it play out and see what happens. This is Gamaliel's take on it. Now Saul, his student, the one who's fast-tracked, the one who is is going places, he has a much different view on it. Saul says, this thing is dangerous and it must be stopped by any means necessary. He says, I'm going to go and I'm going to find these people, the ones that that call themselves the way, that are following after this Jesus. I'm going to find them. And we're going to take care of this. And Saul is hunting down Christians, dragging them from their homes to, to stand in the streets and, and recant, say, No, I, I Jesus, I don't follow Jesus. This is what Saul's doing. He's, he's terrorizing them and pulling them, putting them in prison, even executing many of them. Saul was about very important things. And he was going. In his mind, he was going to crush this uprising. But he was interrupted. He was interrupted. He was on his way to another very important meeting. He was, he was going down the road to Damascus with, with papers in hand, signed, sealed, ready to, to weed out anybody that followed the name of Jesus and to, to put them in prison or put them to death when he's interrupted. We read about that in the book of Acts as, as he's blinded by a light and he has this encounter. A voice saying, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? He says to, to bright light and disembodied voice, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. In that instance, Saul is blinded. Saul has come face-to-face face with Jesus. Jesus, who has come and taught taught about the kingdom of God, shown His power in the kingdom of God. Jesus, who has delivered Himself over to death. And Jesus, who has conquered death and rose again, and is at this point ascended into heaven, has taken His disciples, He said, Go and tell the world what's going on. And He ascended into heaven. Now Paul is coming face-to-face, face. excuse me, Saul at this time, is coming face-to-face face with Jesus. and interrupted everything he was doing. Sometimes it's frustrating to be interrupted, isn't it? And sometimes God has a way of doing that. We, we think we're, we're on a certain path. We think we are uh, going a certain place. And, and Jesus interrupts us. Says, I've got something different for you. This is what happened to Saul. And so blind, he he goes into the nearest city and just waits, helpless, until someone comes along who who Jesus has sent there. Someone that comes along that that God had had come to him in a vision and said, you need to go to this place. You need to meet this man. You need to tell him these things. And, And this guy has heard Saul. Saul is big time. Saul is an important figure. Everybody knows what Saul is doing. And, and uh, Jesus says in a vision to this man, you need to go. You need to find Saul. You need to tell him these things. And the guy says, "Are you, excuse me, what? You do know who that is, right? Wait, <laughs> I can't go to him. But go, he does. Gets Saul something to eat. Tells him the message. And Saul... The, the one named for the one who will listen, the one who will hear, the one who will obey. His name changes. He changes his name from Saul, the, this, this impressive name, to Paul, which, which we hear is an impressive name. In that, in that day, in that language, it was little. He changed from, from the one who will listen and obey, the one who will do these things, to the little guy. Because all of a sudden, somebody else is in control. All of a sudden, somebody else is important. It's not Saul. It's the one who calls him. So now, Paul begins writing letters. He begins going around and, and going on different Journeys, telling people about Jesus. He is going around proclaiming the wonder of Jesus. This one who, not so long ago, he was trying to squelch entirely. And so we we get these missionary journeys that Paul takes. Whoa, I'm just giving you the whole show right there. He starts taking these missionary journeys. His first one, they, they generally start up up here in Antioch. And so his his first journey comes from there, kind of up through this area, and then just right back down. Planting churches along the way. He's going along, he's telling people the wonder of Jesus, who Jesus is and what he is doing. And as he, as he starts telling people this wonderful news, he starts bringing people together and, and setting up these, these churches all throughout the area. His second journey, a year or so later, again starts in Antioch. And this time he comes on up through this way and he keeps getting shut down. He's, he's trying to go into a certain area and it says the spirit of God stopped me. And so he went, he went over into another area and he said he tried to preach there and, and God just kept stopping him and he couldn't figure out what was going on until he got this dream of a man from Macedonia, it says, which is over in this area. This dream that says we need Jesus. Will you come preach to us? And so Paul's already in this area. He hops a a ship and heads on over and makes his way around. It's in this journey that he eventually comes on down to Corinth. Spends about a year and a half there. Telling people the wonder of Jesus. Who he is. What he has done. and so we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1 kind of the signature of the one who's writing this letter Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes Paul a very important man who is about very important things who is interrupted by something more important Paul, who as a Roman citizen has has all kinds of rights and privileges that that are wrapped up in what it is to be Roman. As as being born and and raised for the first part of his life in in a Greek culture and Greek community, knows so much about the Greek and Roman philosophies. Knows so much uh, about... About the rhetoric, about what it is to, to stand and, and speak well, and, and this was, was almost currency in that day. If somebody could speak well, you they gathered around them, they had all kinds of, of authority and all kinds of, of, of honor. Paul, who knows so much about scripture, who, who, who has been even zealous to the point of, of persecuting Christians and who is now Proclaiming these wonderful things. Paul, who has an incredible resume, his, his experience and background and, and, and giftings and talents sections are just full of all kinds of stuff. Paul could do all sorts of things talking to them about why they should listen, but he doesn't say any of that yet. When he introduces himself in the letter, it is Paul called by the will of God. Somebody else is in charge all of a sudden. Paul is not coming saying that it's his own will that has done this. That that he's doing this of his own will. Or the will of the people. None of that. Paul is coming called by the will of God. He is called. This passive idea. Not not that he is coming out and, and, and earning this thing. But that God has by his will, not mine, called him. All of a sudden, Paul is is in a more submissive place. He's called by the will of God to be an apostle. An apostle is one who is sent. One who, who goes out and he's sent as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Anything Paul might have had to offer any any of the of the greatness that that he had incurred in in his work has all just been wiped away because he is called by God and that is so much greater than anything he could have produced. He's called by God to be an apostle, to be one who goes, who tells about Christ Jesus. This is the highest commendation that that Paul brings here. That God called me, that God has a will, God has a plan. God is providing these things and God is doing something. And I get to be a part of it. Telling them about Christ Jesus. We also see here that Paul is not alone. Our brother Sosthenes. Quickly, we we read names in Scripture. We read all kinds of names, and and most of them don't mean anything to us. We read Moses, got that one. Jesus, yes, important. Paul, I I know those names. read a name like Sosthenes, and it's like, who? Let's move on. There, there's another place in, in scripture that talks about Sosthenes. That's in chapter 18 of the book of Acts. It's not sure whether this is the same Sosthenes or not. But I'm just going to talk for a little bit as we think about this. In, in Acts chapter 18, Paul is in Corinth. He's on, he's on that missionary journey and he is in Corinth. And, and he's telling the people a, about Jesus and about who he is and... and and he comes before the officials. And the officials say, you know, the, the thing you're bringing to me, it, it's, it's all your own words. It's all your own stuff. Don't trouble me with, with your little Jewish problems. See, the, the people of the synagogue, the, the Jews who were, who were hearing Paul talk about Jesus and didn't like it very much, they brought him before those officials and, and he said, "Now just, just get away with, from me with that stuff. And, and it said then that that the people, that they took one of the synagogue leaders named Sosthenes and they beat him right there. Now we, we have some ambiguity there too. Is, is it the Jews who were around who, who said, oh, you brought us to this trial and, and now we're humiliated because he kicked us out and they, they beat Sosthenes because they were mad? Maybe. Or it could have been the, the Greeks who were around in the area who, who were already having um, anti-Semitic <laughs> feelings and, and they just took this, this chance in, in this public place to, to take and beat Sosthenes right in front of the officials. And it says, the officials did nothing. They just, they just wiped their hands of it, watched this whole ordeal go down. One way or another, Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, gets beaten right there. I don't know how common a name Sosthenes is. It doesn't seem that common. But imagine for me. If this man who took Paul in front of the officials to, to try and have them do something about him. If this man who who took this beating from from this mob around him. What would it take then for... This man, who already didn't like Paul and who was beaten in such a horrible way to by the time Paul leaves there and and writes this letter back to the people probably two three years, all of a sudden is speaking of Sosthenes, our brother is it possible that, that in in that, that horror of, of getting jumped by this crowd. Of being beaten there in the street. That in the aftermath of that, Paul, who, who was the subject of this trial in the first place, is able to come. If, if those who were following Jesus, if the church that was gathered around Paul were able to come and care for this man's wounds. And share with him hope again in Jesus what wonder is it that that God could take something as as awful as that and use it as a catalyst to bring somebody to himself as we talk about Jesus interrupting plans it seems to me just the kind of thing he does I don't know that this is the Sosthenes that that Paul's writing here, but it's the only other one we see in Scripture. It at least makes me wonder. Because Jesus does do that kind of incredible thing. So we see who who it is that's writing. And now we see to whom he's writing. To the church of God that is in Corinth. Notice he, he doesn't say to the Corinthian church. Because Corinth is, is not the key feature of this church. This is the church of God. The church of God. The ones who, who are gathered around what God is doing. And they happen to be living in Corinth. Corinth was was a bustling economy. We see here a reproduction of of the forum in in the heart of Corinth where they had they had gladiator games that, that were second to to what happened in Rome. Where they had they had bustling economy sitting as it was right right there Corinth is just kind of in this land bridge right in right in there which means they have a harbor On this side, it goes straight off to Italy and Rome. And they have a harbor on this side that goes into Asia. Corinth was was a key trade route in both directions. Which meant they got lots of traffic. They did lots of business. They had had all kinds of tourism and and religious tourism. We, We see that... Over here, we have remains of, of a temple. This one, they think, might have been to Apollo. And way up there on top of the hill is a temple to Aphrodite. They had all kinds of, of temples to, to the Greek gods and Roman gods and people would come and they, they would come here to worship false gods. They would gather around to, to pay homage To all these these false gods. We see up there at the top. uh, A marketplace opening. They had a lot of economy going on. A a lot that that was being built up. A lot that was was really adding to their success. This was an area far enough away from Rome. That it was peopled. uh, Some of them by freedmen. Slaves who had won their freedom. Or by children of freedmen. There, there were some there who were veterans from the Roman army and, and were given land as, as part of their reward for their service and and the the hierarchy wasn 't all just people who were born there and stayed there it, it was people who gathered wealth who were able to do well in business and, and, and make something of themselves and, and then we were able to, to rise in power. Really, they were living the American dream. Right there in Corinth. We're going to work hard. We're going to get rich. We're going we're to be powerful and, and do big things. And there were plaques all over the place. So that you could show off the things that you did. The, this pavement. Actually, this one is talking about pavement that was, that was paid for by Erastus from his own wealth. So that everybody that walked down it could see that Erastus paved this part of the road. And the more plaques you had around, the, the more your status went up. The, the more people could see that you're doing big things. This is the crowd to which Paul is writing. This is the crowd in, in which Paul comes in. A crowd that, that's, that's concerned with, with wealth and power. A crowd that, that, is, that is doing a lot in terms of, of pagan worship. And he comes in and says, Jesus wants to interrupt things. Jesus has something better in store. And so when Paul writes to, to the church there, it's to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Paul calls this this group sanctified, set apart, this group that, that is holy in Christ Jesus, he says. Now, as we keep working through this book, as we... Keep hearing different things that, that Paul's going to write to them. At times you're going to go, Wait, who is he calling holy? Because I know I do some bad things, but that sounds crazy. And we do see a lot of that in Corinthians. We see a lot of times where they are just in the thick of just a mess. And yet, as Paul starts out this letter, he calls them those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Those who are holy in Jesus. They are holy, it says, and called to be holy. Where it says sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints in the Greek. Those, are, those words are built off of the same root of holiness. They are holy in Christ Jesus and they are called to be Holy. Because Paul sees that that even as Jesus makes an an incredible and immediate difference. As we come to him confessing that we are a mess. He can give life right now. He can can stand before God holy because of Jesus right now. And yet there's also the truth that in my life to reflect that is a process. A process that sometimes goes back and sometimes goes forward. And by God's grace, it continues to to advance. He calls them holy. Even though as we read in here, there are a lot of unholy things going on. And he calls them to be holy. To be saints together with those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is looking at a people who who have experienced a lifetime of what it means to be driven by wealth. A lifetime of what it means to be driven by false gods. To be driven by doing the things that you have to do to fit into a community. to, To advance in a society. And he's asking them to make a big, monumental change. Paul knows that that kind of thing does not happen immediately. To break a lifetime of habits. It's going to take the power of God. And so he calls them. As those who are sanctified. Those who are holy. And those who are called to be holy. Along with everyone who calls in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, they are called from Something their old ways, to something, to this life in Jesus, to to a bigger group that includes not just those in Corinth, but in Ephesus and in Rome and all throughout the area as that word is spreading, but even beyond what maybe Paul understood to us today, to those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are part of this bigger thing. Paul's message to them. Verse 3 is grace to you. Grace. this, This gift. This wonderful, merciful gift of God. To you. And peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, as we continue to work through Corinthians, we're going to see that there were some some crazy things going on in that church. Some things that Paul has to say, y'all, this is not right. You've got to change. But he still calls them holy and called to be holy. We learn... As as we step into this book, as we start this discovery process, that no one is too far gone. That that as these guys are are in the midst of their mess and muck and mire, God is still working in them. Maybe that's good news for you today, for for someone you love that that you just are thinking, I don't I don't know where they're at, and and they they just. I don't see any hope for him. There is hope in Jesus. Or maybe that's good news today for you. Maybe you're in a place of going, I, I got nothing left. This, I just, I'm, I'm too messed up. God can't do anything with me. Jesus loves to interrupt that sort of thing with his life and his hope. And another thing we see there, as we think about Paul and and all the stuff that he went through and and and, and the terrible way he was treating others, that then God turned him, and then the horrible things that were happening to him, and God used them, as we think about Sosthenes beaten and now maybe serving with Paul is that no pain is wasted. No pain is ignored. God is doing something in that. And in that moment, it's a terrible, hurtful thing. But that's not the end. God is doing something. And so let us continue to be a people who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that, that you are in the business of, of interrupting our, our selfishness. As, as we try and set everything up in order and trying to do everything just so, so that we can get ahead, you, God, interrupt us for your glory and for our good. And so, Jesus, we pray. We pray for your grace. We pray for your peace in our lives. We thank you that in the midst of pain, you are there with us. We thank you that you do not waste it or ignore it. And we thank you that you love to bring people to yourself. That, that where we may wonder is, is it too much? Is it all over? God, you are greater than our sin. And so, Lord, we ask for the strength to continue to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.